Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Thank you for tuning in to the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show. Uh, of course, we are, as you can see, joined by Dave, and it is Kluge, right? That's correct. You got it. Nailed it awesome. right on the head. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so we're joined by the incredible Dave Kluge from Football Guys. Uh, of course, I'm your host, Adam LaRue, uh, Chris Dowhauer uh, to my right. Dave, thank you so much for joining of course. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Always down to hop on camera and chop it up, talk a little bit of football. It doesn't get better than that. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. Again, love to have you on. And let's get straight into it. There's a lot of news brewing now that teams are beginning to report to training camp. A bunch of teams started either today uh, or yesterday, um, continuing throughout the next week or so. Um, We have plenty of news, especially out of the running back department yesterday. There was a bunch popping off. Uh, The first thing, and we'll go uh, straight to you, Dave. What do you make of the whole J.K. Dobbins situation? Uh, it seemed Rappaport, um, you know, thought that he had a had a source on on him not being potentially ready for for the beginning of the season. Dobbins says, "No, I'm going to be ready. I'm a hundred percent. He's planting his flag. He's going to be ready." Uh, wh- what did you make of that? You know, it's a little tough for me to believe. Um, I, I'm going to side with Ian Rappaport on here just because I know his sources are good. And, um, you know, it, it, it makes sense that J.K. Dobbins, of course, that's the mindset he should have as an NFL player. I'm going to be out there week one. I'm going to be helping my team. I would expect nothing less to come from the mouth of the player himself. But when this injury happened, I mean, the initial um, reaction that we got from a lot of the people that are in the sports medicine and, you know, injury predictions, which isn't a perfect science. But these do people do have pretty strong track records. A lot of them put a timetable on there saying 12 to 15 months. And even if he does come back, I'd be shocked to see him at 100% coming off uh, an injury where he basically shredded everything in his knee. So could he be back week one? Maybe, but I'm not going to feel comfortable setting him in my lineup until I see that he's 100% back with that juice that we saw two years ago. Um, so I, I, I love J.K. Dobbins' response. You know, I love that he just tried to, you know, just completely dunk on Ian Rappaport. I'm not sure if you saw Pat McAfee yeah. live on his show, like just going wild about it at the time. It was funny and it made for a really good story. But I'm leaning towards Ian Rappaport's report a little bit here. Happy to see that J.K. Dobbins is ready to get on the field, but I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I think I would tend to agree there. Uh, I, I would feel uncomfortable to say the least starting him week one again without seeing him. Uh, you know, play at the level that we saw him play at uh, initially because he was a, a monster back when we last saw him his rookie year. Um, one of the most efficient backs there was. Uh, Chris, what did you think? Yeah, and I also think there's some clarification. I mean, Iraq report didn't say he was not going to play week one. There's right. some, it seems like he's not going to play week one. There's a chance that he might not, which isn't new news. And I think that's something David's kind of alluded to. That's something that kind of the timetable was pretty put out there beforehand. Um, and there's basically Ian Rapport was reporting that there's no reason for the Ravens to rush him back. Um, this guy's basically in his third year of his, you know, in his NFL career. There's no reason to kind of jeopardize this guy's future, rush him out there week one. So they kind of ease him in. There might be a chance he starts off, you know, week four or six down the road because then you see him get a chance to kind of practice, take a couple of hits, and then see what he's doing after that. So I think this is more no news right here. It's just kind of people kind of puffing their chests out yeah. during offseason. Um, you know, <laughs> and as Dave kind of alluded to, I think it's somebody people are trying to really try to um, find something that's not really there. And I think J.K. Dobbins is just trying to you know, show himself as an athlete. I want to be out there. I'm going to be out there. Don't doubt me. But, yeah, I think this is this is something that we all kind of expected. All right. Our next piece of running back drama uh, was the Leonard Fournette situation. <laughs> he was reported to have made it to training camp at, what was it, 260 pounds. Um, and then uh, it was reported that last year he played at 225. He corrected it and said it was like 235 or something. Um, regardless, he came in a little bit overweight. Some reports the Buccaneers were unhappy about the situation. Uh, Chris, we'll go back to you. Uh, what what did you make of that? 
Well, you're very nice, Adam. I didn't hear a little under overweight. I heard, <laughs> I heard uh, this guy is kind of a balloon out there. And this is something that's kind of following around. When, when Leonard Burnett's not motivated, he's had issues. I mean, this guy was almost out of the league a couple of years ago. Um, so this isn't something that needs to be taken lightly, in my opinion. He's got a three-year deal. Tampa Bay basically gave him a, a, a nice deal for running back uh, in his age. And I think that this is Tom Brady's kind of gift. Tom Brady can also, you know, turn his back on you in a second if you continue not to do what you need to do. So Burnett kind of keeps saying he, this is his M.O., he'll get back in shape. But, you know, the last couple of years he played hungry. And when he's not not necessarily really hungry off the, off the field, but on the field. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this is a problem right now that if, if we're going to see him kind of being lazy, lazy Lenny, we don't want to see that. Dave, uh, I'm curious to hear what you think about the situation. Are you a little cautious about it? And if you are, who who are the handcuffs in this situation? Because I feel like this is a backfield where things are getting kind of interesting. Obviously, they brought in Rashad White, uh, Giovanni Bernard. They already had a, a young running back who wasn't getting much love. Uh, so what do you make of the Buccaneers situation behind uh, the former playoff Lenny? Well, I, I think Rashad White is the the handcuff to own at this point. Um, I mean, I was reading that Giovanni Bernard might not even wait, make the week one roster. He's probably going to be cut more than anything else. Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, he was everyone's favorite sleeper a couple of years <laughs> ago, but he didn't do too much last year with his opportunity. So for them to pay up for Rashad White, I think that he's the backup there. But I'm I'm still just not really too concerned. Um, you know, Chris, you said it. This has kind of been Lenny's M.O. Every single offseason, he shows up out of shape. I feel like we just hear this same story every single year. And uh, I'll be the first to admit it. You know, once you hit 27 years old, it's a little bit harder to lose <laughs> those pounds that you put on. But this guy's got nutritionists. He's got top of the line, uh, you know, physical therapists and personal trainers. I think he's just going to be fine. Um, and, you know, I, I was really hoping, you know, I, I do a couple underdog drafts every single day. And I was hoping that, you know, this would bump his ADP down a little bit. And I'd be able to get Leonard Fournette at a, at, a, at a discount. And from what I've seen, people aren't really putting too much stock into it. I still see Leonard Fournette consistently going in the middle of the second round. Um, I, it seems like the public is expecting him to get back in shape before week one. Yeah, I think it's likely to be uh, the NFL's version of the James Harden offseason that, that seems to occur uh, every few years as well. But there is uh, a case to be made that Lenny has had a past of uh, just losing motivation. Now, I think with Tom Brady in the building, it's going to be hard to not to be motivated once it comes season time. I think we'll probably kick it into gear, but um, it, have a little bit of concern in the back of mind, maybe, but I'm probably not going to act on said concern. Uh, at the point in time now another running back and probably the least dramatic of all of our uh, running back situations that we have here today is James White Uh, he's struggling in his recovery as well Uh, he was seen I believe like limping or you know showing some hesitancy uh, walking around on his leg he obviously had a pretty severe injury injury after a couple of big PPR games last year I mean he was a really nice uh, flex to to lower end RB option last year at the beginning of the season, um, but obviously thirty um, no longer having Brady obviously didn't that last year either. Um, but the offense changing around him, no more McDaniel's, uh, etc. Um, is this just the time for uh, the other two guys in the, the Patriots backfield? We we moving on from the James White train? Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of shocked to see them even bring James White back, 30 years old, and coming too. off a broken hip. I, I thought that was the end of the road for James Co- or James White. 
And part of me wonders if this is just them, you know, doing the right thing for for a guy who's been on the team for a long time, been a grinder. I'm not really expecting too much um, out of James White, especially after we saw Damian Harris have, you know, PFF's highest graded season last year. He looked fantastic as a running back. He had Ramadre Stevenson come up out of nowhere. What a sixth, seventh round pick. He had a great season. So they're in really good hands with two young and capable running backs in their backfield. Uh, You know, before James White even showed up to camp, we got reports that Ramadre Stevenson was taking on the passing down work in in camp. And that's kind of what I'm expecting is Damian Harris to be the the early down and goal line back at that between the tackles rushing uh, ability and then bring in Ramadre Stevenson for the passing downs. So I'm I'm not too concerned about James White coming in and and affecting that backfield at all. Um, You know, I I think his, you know, presence on the team is more of just a sign of good faith by the Patriots than anything else. I'd, I'd be shocked to see James White take on a considerable role this season. Chris, I know you're, you've always been a bigger Mondre Stevenson fan, so I'd uh, take it you probably agree with that, that assessment. I mean, I think it could be huge news. Uh, J.J. Taylor is going to kind of be phased out. Pierre Strong's not going to get his chance to kind of be that guy. I think this is an opportunity for Stevenson to really get, you know, flex potential to be in your last week in, week out, which we saw last year, and even have a nice safe floor. Um, I think this guy shows you he can be a threat out of the backfield, but can run the ball as well. So we saw Rex Burkhead had a couple of good years, Jeremy Hill a couple of years before that, where guys are actually utilizing dual roles out of the backfield. The Patriots very rare anymore, um, but they actually can catch the ball once in a while. So if he actually gets that third down role, I think that's going to be huge. And just yeah. real quick, um, just to with, I kind of think these ties together a little, a little bit. With Tampa Bay, uh, I don't think you know, White will be the guy necessarily if Fournette was to flame out. I think they signed a veteran. Maybe James White is that guy towards the end of the season. Yeah, uh, I could see James White, and I actually figured that James White would make his way to Tampa, but I could see him being a replacement if they wanted to replace a Giovanni Bernard. Like That would make sense to be that type of back, potentially a little bit better, especially later in the season. As you mentioned, uh, a couple other pieces of news here. Um, Kirk Cousins has been in the news for a plethora of things, but um, one of them being that it is believed that Mike Zimmer, or alleged that Mike Zimmer, not a big fan of, of the Kirk. Um, so, you know, maybe we could see uh, the rise of Kirk Cousins this coming season. Uh, Kluge, I see the Bears helmet back there. No, you wouldn't love that, but what's your honest take there? Uh, I, I think Kirk Cousins probably wasn't a huge fan of Mike Zimmer. I mean, they, they clearly <laughs> didn't have anything going together. Um, I, I mean, all the reports that I'm getting out of uh, Minnesota and friends that I've talked to up there, it seems like Kevin O'Connell is just injecting, you know, uh, something explosive into this offense, which uh, Mike Zimmer just held them back for years. So um, I, I'm pretty excited to see what these new look Vikings are going to look like in 2022. Yeah, I, I agree. Chris, what do you think the the biggest difference as far as, um, you know, how this offense operates on a game to game basis going to be? Um, now that we're looking at the Kevin O'Connell system, I know a lot of the the biggest reports have been uh, maybe Cook receiving a lot more out of the backfield. I think pace. I think pace is going to be the huge thing. Um, pace gets you points, and then more yardage, more points you get for fantasy. So we want to see that ball, you know, in the offense's hands, as many plays as you possibly get out there. Kevin O'Connell and that Rams offense was definitely a high pace offense. You're going to see lots of misdirections. So you talked about Dalvin Cook being a weapon on the backfield. But I think you're going to see you know them attack you multiple layers. They've, they've done a kind of decent job over the last few years, but it became kind of a, a deep, a dink or dunk offense, whereas take deep shots, maybe throw five-yard passes. I think you're going to see more of the medium throws, some intermediate throws, which Kirk Cousins throws pretty well. So I think you put all those things together, this offense can really be unleashed. And that defense isn't really upgraded significantly. So while it's been trying to, like, you know, 
hide the defense in a sense and play offense to kind of balance that, I think you're going to see the opposite where the offense is going to try to put up as many points as they can and, hey, defense, do what you can do to you know, keep us around. I think a lot of three wide receiver sets too. I mean, the Rams in back-to-back years have led the league in three wide receiver sets. So, um, you know, getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but KJ Osborne season might might finally be here this year. Yeah, I mean, he played pretty well when he was able to get on the field last year. So, uh, could be a, an interesting uh, player to keep an eye on throughout the offseason. Just, just real interesting, quick though, if Minnesota goes like you know six and ten or six and eleven this year. Is Mike Zimmer going to still be the punching bag? Because he's, he's taking a lot of punches right now. Like he's the, he was the whole problem in Minnesota the last couple of years. Yeah, it would be very interesting. Um, our last piece of news, and that's a, a little bit on the later end, but still something that I uh, wanted to talk about since we haven't been on air for it. Uh, Dave, I'm sure you have. Uh, I know you have because you were on earlier today. <laughs> um, uh, the Trey Lance situation with the arm fatigue and um, – you know, Ayuk's response and all of that. Uh, I, I assume we're, we're collectively not putting much stock into that. Uh, and I know I'm personally, at least as relative to where he's going anyways, wasn't the biggest fan, but the arm fatigue has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of hearing some mixed things about this, but um, I, I thought that the coach's response, I've never heard of arm fatigue in my life. I think he oversold it a little bit. And I think that there might yeah. actually be a little bit of an issue here that they're just trying not to let on to. But, I mean, San Francisco, this has just been like year after year after year. The beat has no clue. Like, the beat reporters don't know yeah. what's happening in that I front office. I do agree office. with that. I mean, that... It's, just, it's, it's a mess trying to get any, like, real information out of the San Francisco 49ers. So it, it could be an issue. It could not be. I'm not going to, you know go too crazy with my take on this, but I expect Jimmy Garoppolo to still be there week one. I don't even know if Lance has that job security for the entire season. Um, you know, just looking at what Jimmy Garoppolo has done, he has been tied to Kyle Shanahan since Kyle Shanahan's first year as a head coach. And they have won when Jimmy Garoppolo's on the field and they've lost when Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been on the field. So I don't think that, you know, it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo's week one job, but um, you know, kind of looking through the schedule, it, it's very easy that the, the the 49ers could start off one and three, one and four, you know, get off to a pretty bumpy start. And I think that Kyle Shanahan might be pretty quick to throw Jimmy out there if he's still on contract or still on the team. So we don't have to get, you know, too deep into this, but there, there's a lot of question marks in San Francisco that I think people are just blindly ignoring. Dave, that is a very popular opinion on this show, but it's not popular overall. So I actually am very happy to hear you say some of those things. Um, yes, but I, for me personally, don't think the arm fatigue has much to do with the overarching, like you said, blindly <laughs> kind of going into things with them. Um, but let's go get a quick word from... Um, from our good friend Dan Mater and our sponsor Manscaped. We'll be back in a second. We'll get into today's segment. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best product from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nut sack on the coldest stack. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using the discount code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. 
The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush worst nightmare. With the Performance Package purchase, you get two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website, too, to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. It's time to level up your game from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tool from Manscaped. So one more time, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. We are back with the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show and our guest, Dave Kluge. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we're going to get into I Betcha. It's our segment for today. Uh, we are planting our flag on, um, on a few takes today. Uh, so it's going to be really fun. And we're going to start with the Packers wide receiver room. One of, uh, one of the most debated things really uh, recently uh, Dave, I know you put out an article recently on Aaron Rodgers not being phased by the uh, the moves at the skill positions for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I tend to agree with that, or at least it not being that big of a deal. Um, we're going to talk about specifically which wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers is going to lead this team in fantasy points this year between Lazard, Cobb, uh, one of the rookies in Dobbs or Watson, um, or, or someone else. Um, and Dave, we're going to go right to you. Yeah. How, how much time do I have? Can I just take the mic for the next 50 <laughs> minutes here? I mean, <laughs> Alan Lazard is my guy, man. I've been beating the drum for this dude since he came into the league and he finally got his opportunity. Um, I came out with an article just a couple of days after Devonte Adams was traded. And I said, uh, the path to a breakout for Alan Lazard is huge right here. And, uh, the, you know, it, it's really tough to paint a picture for an Alan Lazard breakout because fantasy football result revolves around numbers. And this is a guy who just had his first 500-yard season. He has never commanded more than a 15% target share. I mean, there's a lot of red flags for him, but you got to look past the numbers when you're dealing with the Green Bay Packers. You know, you already pointed out the, the Bears helmet that I got back here. So I've gotten a firsthand look at Aaron Rodgers for, uh, you know, the, the majority of my adult lifehood. And, you know, this guy, he's just said best by by uh, Green Bay's president he is a complicated fellow and and we see this you know throughout his entire career where he just really slowly grooms his receivers to become the wide receiver one Devontae Adams didn't have his first thousand yard season until year four Jordy Ad or Jordy Nelson Randall Cobb all of these guys got off to really slow starts and and, and I think that when you just look at it schematically Alan Lazard is the only guy that really fits into that X role that was vacated by Devontae Adams so you look at all of these different pieces and how they're going to fit into the offense Christian Watson, phenomenal athlete. But really, I mean, he's just an upgrade from MBS and what they lost in MBS. He's a great straight-line runner, can't really adjust to the ball in the air all that well, doesn't have the best hands. I mean, he is a carbon copy of MBS, and he's going to play that flanker role opposite side of the X. When you look at Randall Cobb at his age, he's going to fit into the slot. You know, he can't play the X receiver role right now. He's going to be splitting some of that time with Aaron Jones, I presume. And that leaves... The X role, which is the primary read in in Matt Lafleur's offense, and that is going to go to Alan Lazard. So Alan Lazard is six foot five. He's got hands that are just like a bear trap. I mean, he catches everything that comes his way, and he doesn't have the ability to win one on one against press coverage against some of the top corners in the league. 
but LaFleur is so creative in getting his players open in space. And we have one game in the last two years where um, MVS was healthy and Alan Lazard was healthy. And I think this is kind of an indication of what they'll do in life uh, after Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams obviously missed this game. It was against the New Orleans Saints, and in that game, uh, Al Mazzard was drawing coverage from Marshawn Lattimore. So what you saw was a lot of pre-snap motion to get him off of Lattimore. Um, and, and he ended up having a phenomenal game. He would pulled in eight targets. He had six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. And I don't think that he's going to be putting up that type of production every single year. But at the end of the season, I think that he's going to be somewhere between 120 and 130 targets. And if you're getting 120 or 130 targets from Aaron Rodgers, it is pretty easy to finish as a wide receiver one. So I came out with this article back in March. And at the time, I said that, uh, you know, Al Mazzard should be getting drafted as a top 36 receiver. And I said, I expect them to draft two rookies in the first round, two rookie wide receivers. Well, they didn't draft a single wide receiver. I thought that they were going to go out and get Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, one of these guys I was asking for a trade. And they brought in Sammy Watkins. So since that article came out, Al Lazard's situation has only improved. I've got him right now as my wide receiver 22. I'm putting all my chips in on Al Lazard to be the guy in Green Bay this year. Okay, Chris, what do you have to say about that? I think Dave hit nails right in the head. I mean, I think yeah. he's speaking to the choir on this one. Um, I, I totally agree with you. I think Al Lazard has the most important thing you could have as Aaron Rodgers' trust. And if you, Aaron Rodgers trusts you, he's going to throw the ball to you. And that's all you need as a receiver. Um, I think you saw Devontae Adams kind of, you know, be that guy. But you see, when Aaron Rodgers wants to get you the ball, he'll figure out different ways, as he kind of alluded to that New Orleans, you know, even though it was a lot of schematics, I think it's also Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to get the ball to this, this guy. So those things, I think, add up well for Al Lazard. I think he's going to have a, a great floor. I think he's going to be very consistent this year. I don't think he's necessarily a receiver one. Uh, top 36, I, I think that's definitely going to be discussed. My only guy I'll throw in, and the caveat I will throw in there is if, 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 and this has been an if for about three, four, five, six years now, if Sammy Watkins is healthy, he fits that offense also really well. There's a lot of things that Devontae Adams does with after the ball, after the ball in his hands, also the big play. So I think they complement each other well. Um, so I think Al Lazard would be my guy I'd bet on. But if I was going to put you know a shilling on something extra, Sammy mm-hmm. Watkins might be a guy that I might be keep my eye on. The nice thing is yeah. you can get both. You can draft Alan Lazard in the eighth round and then get Sammy Lazard in the sixteenth and just hedge your bet a little bit for for not much at all. Yeah, point. yeah. Uh, I think I will also plant my flag on the Lazard train, um, and my my only caveat will be that uh, I do really love Dobbs in Dynasty. Like as a as a flyer late, I really like the kid. Um, I, I think he's a good talent. But redraft Lazard is the only one that I'm touching. <laughs> um, moving on though, our next group will be the other highly spoken about uh, wide receiver room in the league where we now have MVS, we now have Juju, we now have another rookie in Sky Moore, uh, we have Nicole Still, a uh, handful of other players. Uh, Chris? Josh Gordon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. technically. <laughs> technically. Chris, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I, I this is one of the hardest ones for me because I look at Juju Smith-Schuster, and I can't believe this guy's 25 years old. Um, the The... Decline I've seen on tape, just the lack. I know Ben gets a lot of that, you know, blame, but the guy was averaging like seven yards a catch. I think you can do that like in your sleep. I think it was impossible to do as a receiver in the NFL. So I really have a lot of questions with Juju can kind of get it going. He has the money invested in him, but the fit that kind of makes the most sense to me of all the different guys, and I know he's had his inconsistency, is MBS. Um, I think Hardman is a little bit 
too much of like MVS, but he doesn't really bring the the six four wingspan. Doesn't bring that red zone target. Doesn't bring some of the extra stuff that MVS can kind of do. And I think when you look at what um, <clears throat> Andy Reid does well, he schemes up the big play well. So I think this is something that you're going to see a guy that gets kind of his shots and putting balls in his wheelhouse has an opportunity in the red zone. So I'm going to go with MVS. I'm not super super confident about it, but that's who I bet on today. All right, Dave, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as Chris, where, like, I don't have any confidence in this at all. And if you look at how these players are getting drafted, it's like Juju, MVS, and Sky Moore are all getting drafted within a couple rounds of each other, which makes me think that most fantasy managers don't have a lot of confidence in this. Everyone's just kind of punting the wide receiver one down the board and then taking wide receiver one, two, and three all relatively close to each other. So if you had to ask who I think leads the team in targets, I'd probably put my money on Juju. Um, but... Like, like you said, I mean, he has just been falling off the last couple of years. Uh, Jetpack Galileo, who does a fantastic job cutting up some film clips. I don't know if you saw what he posted today, but it was a, a video where there was an interception thrown that was returned for a touchdown. And Juju Smith-Schuster putting up no effort at all. Like the ball was just put on the money to Juju. Rather than getting two hands out there, he put one hand up there, tipped it up in the air, went right to a defender. And then he didn't even attempt to make the tackle. He just ran out of bounds and let this guy take it back for a touchdown. I mean, it's weird to see how hard this guy has fallen off. We are three years removed from Juju Smith-Schuster being the dynasty wide receiver one, and now he lands in an ideal situation with Patrick Mahomes, and he's almost like kryptonite for me. I mean, it's it's incredible to fall off that hard at 25 years old. So, like I said, if I had to put my money on somebody, it would be on Juju because I think that he's going to operate out of the slot and draw a decent amount of targets there. But if we're looking at cost and who I think has the highest ceiling – the guy that I find myself drafting the most, it's Sky Moore. Um, you know, this guy was just a compiler in college. He's got a lot of, you know, just just wild athleticism that really pops off the screen. And, and, and more than anything, he's got effort. You know, he's still on a rookie contract. It's his first year in the league. He's going to be hungry. And I just don't know if we're going to see that from Juju. So um, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in this one at all, but I, I find myself drafting more and more Sky Moore. You know, I think I probably lean in that same direction, just in that I would bet on Juju, but I don't have any really interest in drafting him. Uh, I don't think the gap exists, really. Like, if I have to put in one name, probably Juju. But I don't know. I'll take the cheapest one, which I believe as of right this second. More. Yeah, so I'm just going to go with him. He's going to be the one that I actually actively have on rosters. Um, just because I think if anyone gets that Andy Reid treatment where he does get, you know, he gets active in his coaching, sometimes he gets a little lazy and stops moving people around. But when he is moving a player around, I think it will likely be him. And that's a really impactful role in that offense. Um, I think he you has just, the highest he, he upside. He feels like a guy that, that you're going to draft as like wide receiver 28 and he's going to finish at wide receiver 28. Like he's not going to give you anything like I, I just feel like there isn't much of a ceiling there i feel like he's gonna have a reasonable floor but he's not gonna be on a lot of winning rosters he feels like he's just gonna live right up to his adp yeah i i have to agree with that sentiment i think right. it's gonna be really hard though because when we look at the chiefs well i think travis kelsey will be the guy yeah patrick mahomes is gonna throw five thousand yards probably around there so somebody's catching that ball and gonna you know, we saw byron pringle have some nice weeks last year when mm-hmm. uh, hill was kind of struggling so that's some offense that's really in these Green Bay offense as well. It's like these are receiver questions you really want to try to kind of figure out because, man, if you get it right, big, big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you are certainly not wrong there. Uh, I actually really like this next question. Uh, it's an interesting one. Um, Thielen of the Vikings, will he have 
a better season than all of the players we've listed previously. So all of the Packers or Chiefs wide receivers, Thielen versus any of them. And uh, I think I would personally lean Thielen on a per-game basis, on a per-game basis. I'm willing to accept that I will miss four or five weeks, but I will be happy that I have Thielen in the, the games that he is healthy. Uh, Dave, you can go. Um, I'm going with Lazard. I mean, just just based off my rankings, I've got him ranked a little bit higher. Um, and, and I get it. Like, Thielen is the preferred red zone target for Kirk Cousins. Well, guess what? Alan Lazard is going to be the preferred red zone target for Aaron Rodgers on what is going to be an equally explosive offense. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take Lazard out of all of those guys and Thielen. And Chris? Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, Dave really convinced me that the, the Alan Lazard could <laughs> to beat. It I'm was really a great sell. It's it a really sell. good sell, but I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. Um, this is my thing where I think Adam Thielen's going to have kind of that bounce back season. People kind of written him off. He had nice touchdown production the last two years. That shouldn't go anywhere with his offense. You've seen that second receiver in his Rams offense be extremely productive with his Robert Woods, even OBJ, OBJ last year towards the end of the season. Like we're excited about Allen Robinson. The offensive pace, the division. Put all those different things together. I think Adam Thielen winds up having the best, you know, and as Adam alluded, he might miss a couple of games here or there, but as per game, the guy that I want in my lineup, I think Adam Thielen. I love Alan Lazard. I think he's got a lot of potential, but I love Tom Brady and a lot of receivers after the, you know, Randy Moss moved on, Wes Walker moved on, some of the Julian Edwin moved on. The receivers weren't the same production-wise, so I do think it does matter who you have out there, um, and I do think it's going to still be Adam Thielen's going to kind of keep its best. Well, we've been talking about the Chiefs and Packers a lot. We're going to do it one more time here. For the big one, Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill, the exiting receivers, um, which of the two performs the best this season in fantasy? Chris, what do you got? Can I get a tie? No. Um, <laughs> I Look, a lot of people are down on the Tyreek Hill. They talked about last season, his decline. I, I love Tyreek Hill. I love the fit, but... Devontae Adams is a monster, had, already has the chemistry with Derek Carr from college, wanted to be in Oakland. I'm sorry, wanted to be in Las Vegas. Um, I think this offense is going to be predicated to getting him the ball. Josh McDaniels can be creative when he wants to be. It had very, you know, had one of those better offenses I talked about with Tom Brady, had Randy Moss. So we put all those things together with the different weapons they have. You can't really double Adams in his offense either. I think Adams is going to be the guy. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. There's, uh, you know, there's just less mouths to feed in Las Vegas, and I just have more faith in Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels than I do in Tua Tagovailoa and Mike McDaniel. Um, you know, they're both phenomenal talents, really special players, but I think that you can basically just pencil Devontae Adams in for 160 targets with you know how much money they gave him and the and the the, the, the history with Derek Carr. Um, you know, Hill, I think that he's going to have some huge games and I really like him as a value, but at the end of the day, you know, he and Jalen Waddle have very similar skill sets. It's going to be pretty tough to keep both of them involved while still leaning on what we expect to be a run first offense. And then, you know, obviously I, I think that we're going to see a, a little bit of a role change from Tyree Hill compared to what we saw in Kansas city. Um, you know, a lot more jet sweeps and some screens trying to mask the, uh, you know, inefficiencies of Tua Tungavailoa. But at the end of the day, you lose a lot when you're not catching 65-yard bombs from Patrick Mahomes, so it's going to be tough for Tyreek Hill to, to live up to that. Yeah, I think we have a, a three-way agreement here. I, Like you said, I trust Derek Carr a lot more than I trust Tua uh, at, at this point in time, especially um, with the new the new regime here. Um, uh, you know, having all the weapons they do, but Devontae still being the clear guy, I think is a really valuable and also them being complementing weapons. Uh, I think Renfro, you know, operating completely underneath doesn't really take much away having a good tight end and Waller that can attack the seams. I don't think that these things like take a ton away from what Devontae Adams can do out there on the outside. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I'll take the, the Fresno state guys um, <laughs> to the bank. Um, we are, going to move over to the tight end position. We're going back to Green Bay one last time, I think, I hope. We actually... I'm, I'm I was trying to keep the theme together, sorry. Oh, <laughs> right. uh, good. Uh, we have Tanyan, DeGuara, or Davis, who is the tight end in Green Bay. And this is interesting because it's a tight end is a position where if you can kind of get one of those guys that can – sneaky get in there especially uh what tanyan did a few years ago i know it's become a joke uh because of how hard it is to replicate that but you can get pretty lucky at the tight end position and that can help you genuinely win your league um you know if you have a super strong roster elsewhere and just get lucky at the tight end position or take a couple shots on some high upside guys in this situation um i will say I'm personally not that interested in any of these guys, but I do think it'll be Tanyan as far as DeGuara goes personally. Like I'm not that interested in a six, two tight end. Yeah. And I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't really want any of these guys. I mean, DeGuara was basically playing fullback more than he was playing tight end <laughs> prior to, uh, to, to Tanyan going down last year. But really, I mean, when you look at it historically, Aaron Rodgers just doesn't really like tight ends all that much. I mean, Jimmy Graham had 75 targets per season when he was in Green Bay, and he was, you know, on decline a little bit. But really the only guy that we've ever seen consistently putting out uh, decent production from the tight end slot with Aaron Rodgers was Jermichael Finley. And that was, you know, he was in his early 20s. He was a freak athlete. And even that, over his best two years, he was averaging 700 yards and five touchdowns per season. Um, so, I mean, there just really isn't too much to get excited about here. All the guys that are on the roster now aren't half the player that Jermichael Finley was. Um, the most likely scenario is that Tanyan, you know, leads all these tight ends and targets, but it's probably going to be 50 or 60 targets, you know, maybe a handful of touchdowns, but there's no way that he's going to replicate what he did in 2020. So I think that all of these guys, at least for fantasy purposes, shouldn't even be on your radar. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I tend to agree. Unless you're Chris, in a two tight end league, then, yeah. then you know maybe. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting though because I do think that you know we talked about if Aaron Rodgers is going to fall off, then they're still going to like we talked about the Chiefs offense. Who's going to get this yardage? So we have you know you talked about Aaron Rodgers not necessarily using tight end, but they do see them a lot red zone targets over the years. Depending on who that kind of was, it varies. But there has been a lot of guys utilized that, and whether it's Tanya, whether it was Graham, whether it was Finley, <clears throat> excuse me. They also don't have Devontae Adams either more to kind of utilize that in the red zone and eat all those targets either. So I am kind of curious to see if somebody steps up. Uh, Tanyan hasn't been healthy. There's still kind of curiosity. Will he actually be 100% healthy to start off the season? There's a lot of talk about Davis being that guy that kind of like how he's taking the next step. His usage, decor. I kind of agree with you guys. I like him much, much in college. I think he's just a guy. Um, but I do hear a lot of the talk about playing a lot of two tight ends in Green Bay. We saw the Rams offense kind of you know convert when they had to use Higby and Everett a little bit more. Higby had that great run for a, uh, a couple years ago. Um, so I do think there is some production that can be there. It's just kind of kind of guessing who that guy is. And if I were to guess today, I'm gonna go with the underdog, I'm gonna go with Davis. Okay. That's the biggest stray I think that we've had from the, the consensus here, at least as far as from the the trio don't draft anybody though i'm with dave yeah dan comes in with uh in the comments with the guara week one so who knows there we go i like it (laughs) okay tremble though yeah not not tremble um our next group here is the indianapolis tight end group that's my team i don't have the helmet behind me so i had to shout that out but (laughs) um so I can go ahead here. Mo Ali Cox, our lovely rookie in Jelani Woods, and Kylan Granson. And I'm going to say that we can kind of keep this one moving because it's going to continue to be a tight end committee, uh, more or less, as it's kind of been. I would say Mo Ali Cox will lead technically, quote unquote. But what I think you'll see is he gets a lot of the the yardage. Uh, I think you'll see Woods kind of block most of the time, but I think you will see him come out as a receiver in the red zone. I think Kylan Granson, they'll probably scheme some things up where they can move him as kind of a big slot sometimes. But I don't think any of them, realistically, I'd be surprised if any of them broke 400 yards. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, if I'm throwing a dart on any of these guys, it's Mo Cox, especially in best ball, um, you know, just for the Mm – the touchdown upside. That's what you're hoping for. If you're drafting a late round yeah. tight end in best ball is that they're going to stumble into the end zone every once in a while. And I think mm-hmm. that Mo Ali Cox, you know, you know, I'm not projecting it, but would it surprise anybody if the season ends no. and somehow Mo Ali Cox has 10, 12 touchdowns? No, I don't think so. So, I mean, he's the guy that I'm betting on, but 
Um, typically when I'm targeting tight ends in fantasy, I want guys that I think are going to have heavy target shares and a lot of volume. And I don't see that with any of these guys. So really you're just hoping for touchdowns. And I think Mo Cox is most likely to end up there. Yeah. Chris, anything? Yeah. No, I tend to agree. I think the key thing about tight ends, you know, once you get out of those top a couple of guys, all you're really looking for is touchdowns for most of these guys anyway. So it's kind of figuring out who those guys are to rely on. There's a lot of talk about Matt Ryan. That's where I find it kind of interesting because Matt Ryan has fed the tight end position except for last year in the red zone. Um, but usually feeds the tight end <laughs> position. Uh, Tony Gonzalez ate for a long time off of him. They had their you know, Austin Hooper guy's contract um, off of Atlanta and his usage in Matt Ryan. So Matt Ryan will look for that position. You know, a lot of talk about the running backs, but the tight end usually gets utilized. Frank Wright can scheme him up. But to Adam's point, and as the you know our Colts guy here, Frank Reich screws it all up playing those four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten tight ends he has to have in the roster for some reason. And therefore, I go with Mel Ali Cox, but I don't think it's going to matter because week one will be one guy, week two will be somebody else, week three will be somebody else, and you'll never be able to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I actually really liked you throwing in this one because I think I'm going to lean this guy, but we'll hear it from you two first. I think I've gone first twice in a row. Evan Ingram versus those previous that we've spoken about, like we did with Thielen. So Evan Ingram versus the tight ends on the Green Bay Packers and on the Colts. Who does better? Chris, what's up? I'm going Evan Ingram. Um, I know a lot of people still had a Dan Arnold love. I'm over Dan Arnold, been over Dan Arnold. Um, I think that Evan Ingram has the talent. Trevor Lawrence can look for a guy that you can actually see in the red zone. And I think that you put those things together at a better chance. Um, and also the coaching staff. I, I like what, you know, what we saw <clears throat> um, Doug Peterson do when he was in the Eagles, utilizing tight end position. That's been kind of his MO. So I think that can continue with his offense. I don't love the receiver signings. Christian Kirk will be decent. But other than that, who do you like in his offense? I think Evan Ingram could step up. So I'd rather have him over the other tight end positions. All right, Dave, what, what are your thoughts? That's exactly where I'm at. I mean, I, I just kind of showed my hand on uh, on the last question, but we were talking about, um, you know, tight ends. And I, I said that if I'm drafting a tight end in the late rounds, I'm looking for guys that I think that are going to have a lot of volume and a lot of targets. And, and like Chris said, I mean, Doug Peterson utilizes that um, over his last three years as a head coach. He was top two in uh, two tight end sets every single season. I mean, that's just what he does. And one of the first things he did when he showed up into Jacksonville uh, or one of the first things the Jaguars did when he showed up in Jacksonville was go out and sign Evan Ingram. And you got to think that was very intentional. And and I like Dan Arnold too. It's like a really late, you know, if yeah. you're in a, in a league that has, you know, 23, 24, 25 rounds, throw a late round dart at Dan Arnold. Cause I like him as well. But I think that there is a better chance that Evan Ingram leads the Jaguars in targets than there is that any tight end in green Bay or Indianapolis outscores Evan Ingram. I would probably lean that way as well. Someone's got to break out as the V receiver for the Jaguars. Um, going to be interesting to see how that situation plays out. Um, and now we're getting into more of the premier conversations. And this is one that I find really interesting. Uh, Dave, we're going to go you here. Kelsey versus Andrews. Yeah, th- this one's pretty easy for me. Um, I am a-, a Kelsey guy and and I get it. You know, Andrews is younger. He had a fantastic season. But the splits without Lamar Jackson really concerned me. And I'm sure you guys have seen those by now. I'm not going to beat it. But he averaged almost twice as many points per game without Lamar Jackson than he did with him. And it makes sense. You know, Lamar Jackson is, uh, I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with this, but I think that he's a very good passer and he's good at spreading the ball around. And then once they get into the uh, red zone, especially near the goal line, he's going to run the ball. 
And when Lamar wasn't playing, Andrews saw a huge bump in usage, and he became the team's preferred red zone target. So now with Lamar Jackson expected to be back and healthy this year, I'm just a tad lower on Andrews. Um, and, and then just looking at the situation in Kansas City, without Tyreek Hill there, without any clear-cut wide receiver one, Kelsey could see 160, 170 targets in this offense, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. So I, I like Andrews as as a football player, but he's actually my tight end three this year. I'm a little bit below consensus on him. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you on Dave. I think people have been trying to write Travis Kelsey off way too fast. They've been trying to anoint somebody else as the next big guy. This guy's been the guy. He's going to continue to be the guy. I see no reason that changes. My only concern that he wouldn't be the top dog out of these two would be that if they kind of try to do what they did last year, in the beginning of the season, they try to rest him in a sense to prepare from the postseason. They want to keep him fresh. If they try to get cute with that. Maybe you might see a little, you know, downtake on his, his usage. But overall, I think they, this offense can't get cute. They're going to need him week in, week out. And this is going to be the guy that, you know, Patrick Mahomes' best friend, their roommates a couple of years ago. So I think this is continue to be the thing. Um, I love Andrews. I think he's a stud. I love, you know, Dave's point about him and Lamar. I think they have a connection, whether it's him or not. But it's you have other feet, mouths to feed. There's too many other things that get involved in the Ravens offense that I'm still kind of worried about. And I think that they were very more pass-oriented last year because they had to be the defense was pathetic last year. So that's going to kind of change this year. And I think you put all those things back to, you know, together, looking at divisions, look at that AFC West, it's going to be stacked here to score points. So Travis Kelsey, to me, is that guy that's going to still be that stud. Yeah, yeah I, I just pulled this up here. With Lamar Jackson, he saw uh, 5.8 targets per game. And without, he saw 8.3. So, I mean, he saw it's almost a, almost a 50% boost in, in, in targets. And, and you know, if, he, if he's still pulling 5.3 targets per game without Lamar or with Lamar Jackson, it's going to be really tough to, to pass up the opportunity that Travis Kelsey is going to be getting with Mahomes. Yeah, I, I mean, Chris, like you said, they're not going to have an opportunity to rest Kelsey like they were trying to a little bit last year because this is a division where the Chiefs are, to me, I, they feel like the betting favorite, but I don't know that I, I wouldn't be that shocked if they somehow missed out. I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't be that shocked if they missed out. So this is a division where they're going to have to actively be trying to win every single week because it's going to be very tight. Every team is a genuine playoff contender, and any of the four teams could very realistically um, be left out. And again, the Chiefs are probably the favorite to win the division. I'm not going to deny them that. Just saying it wouldn't be that big of a shock um, if they were to be the, the team that missed out. So uh, Kelsey has to be used because he's going to be their best receiver. When we talked about earlier, those other receivers, maybe they do all suck. We just (laughs) Kelsey just has one of his best seasons, which is a pretty high bar, Um, but certainly uh, in the cards, at least in my opinion. Um, We're going to go at two younger tight ends, and I think this is an interesting one, a very, very interesting one in Hawkinson versus Fryermuth. Chris, I feel like you have a hot take here, so what is it? I don't know if it's a hot take, but I'm not as big on Hawkinson as a lot of people seem to be. Um, the guy didn't have 100 yards at all in the entire season last year. As highest, um, um, this wasn't a guy that I think is going to necessarily jump even higher. Now they have more weapons to feed and more mouths to feed in Detroit. On the flip side, Firmuth is gotten anything better at quarterback is upgraded Ben. I'm sorry, I'm not a Trubisky fan. I'm not a Randolph fan. I'm not, I'm not a Pickett fan. But Ben was terrible last year. And I think Firmuth in the offense will be able to be more chance to score touchdowns. And as a result, you already saw him kind of where he falls in the food chain when it comes after Deontay Johnson and where he falls as, as the offensive uh, pass catcher. I think that continues to become the case. They have a good running back. 
That team's going to probably be a lot of play action, a lot of playing physical football more than likely out there a lot. So the tight end will be utilized a lot. So I look at Vermouth as the guy. Rockinson continues to get a lot of talk. I see there's no reason to continue to kind of buy that that train. I think last year was a year you were going to try to hope that hit. And to me, it really didn't. And I think that's why you got off it now and going for Muth this year. Dave, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, it's really tough to, to write off a rookie coming off a season like Friar Muth had, but I just get a little bit concerned with the usage. I mean, he saw 4.9 targets per game, and it was pretty steady throughout the season. It's not like he saw those targets really growing or, or uh, you know, a, a booming opportunity. And and just looking at, like, who led in targets last year, guys like James O'Shaughnessy and Tyler Conklin and Jared Cook had more targets per game than Pat Fryermuth did last year. And I don't like TJ Hawkinson either. I mean, you, you talked about how he didn't have a 100-yard game last year. Um, I, I, I could be mistaken, but I think the only 100-yard game TJ Hawkinson has ever had was his first game ever. Like, if you, he, he was drafted <laughs> eighth overall. He showed up with 100-something yards week one. Everybody thought that he was the next big thing, and he hasn't really done much since. Um, so I, I, I don't like the Steelers offense. I don't like the Lions offense. I'm not especially crazy about TJ Hawkinson or Pat Firemuth, but if I had to pick one of the two, I'd be leaning ever so slightly to, uh, TJ Hawkinson, just because I think that he has a better chance of being the team's number two passing option. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, all in Pittsburgh. I think it's going to be tough for Firemuth to pull a meaningful target share. And his last season, or his production last season was really propped up by that touchdown rate. And I just don't know if those touchdowns are going to be coming this year with Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett under center. Um, I'm, I'm much higher on the Detroit Lions than a lot of other people are. I think that they're going to be, surprise a lot of people and have a pretty good offense. I mean, you know, you, you can poke fun at Jared Goff all you want, but this guy's just a few years removed from a Super Bowl loss to Tom Brady. And now he is surrounded with a fantastic offensive line, playmakers everywhere on the field. I think that the Lions could be a shocking offense this year and, and be a lot better than people expect. So, um, you know, I'm just looking at what I project to be a better offense and somebody that I expect to get a little bit more targets. So I'm going to lean towards Fryermuth here, but it wouldn't, or I'm going to lean towards Hawkinson, but it wouldn't surprise me if one, one bit, if Fryermuth does outscore him. I, I agree with most of your points. And I actually like reasoning is pretty sound. I'm going to also lean, but the other direction towards Fryermuth, uh, I tr- struggled to see any of the quarterbacks on the Steelers offense really just be able to get the ball to the outside, which is why I feel comfortable saying that I think Fryermuth has a good shot at being that second option, just because I have very little faith in them being able to get the ball to a Claypool or get the ball down the field to a Pickens, um, who are both players that I like. I just think the quarterbacks are going to be very restricted, kind of similar to Ben, to throwing to their tight ends, throwing to their slot. That's why I feel very comfortable in continuing to draft Deontay at value a lot. <laughs> Because I think that those guys who are going to be underneath, those guys who are going to be on the seam in the middle, I think they're going to get fed. I don't think that we're going to see the ball make it to the outside very much at all. Yeah, I agree. And Fryermuth, I mean, he's a fantastic athlete. I think he's got more upside. But, uh, you know, just looking at a projection and how many targets I'm expecting these guys to get, that's why I'm leaning towards Hawkinson. But, uh, you know, I think you, you make a good point, especially with where they operate on the field. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the, the ceiling for Fryermuth is undeniably higher. All right. So that was the last ones that we had in the script. But there's one more tight end situation that I want to talk about, or a, a comparison at least, that I want to throw out there. And that is two other uh, tight ends on the move. And those are Hayden Hurst and Austin Hooper of the Titans and Bengals, respectively. These are both some some that I find fascinating because it 
times throughout their careers, they have had some fantasy relevance, especially Hooper in Atlanta back in the day. Um, and this is a situation that has had some uh, on their team that has had some tight end relevancy as well. Um, what do you make of these these matchups, Dave? I mean, we saw Zuma have some huge boom games last year in Cincinnati. But at the end of the day, Hayden Hurst is probably going to be fourth or fifth on this team in targets, which makes it tough. Um, and, and Hooper, I mean, it, it's tough for me to get behind Hooper just because last year there was so much hype around Anthony Ferkser in the offseason, and he was just non-existent in that Titans offense. So I understand that a case can be made for Hooper. Um, but, you know, I, it, 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 the, the, the Titans are a team that I just really struggle with to figure out what they're going to look like. You know, is, is Traylon Burks going to be the next A.J. Brown or is he going to be the next Ryle Green Beckham? I mean, he can, his range of outcomes is so wide. And then you've got Robert Woods, 30 years old, coming off the ACL tear. You don't know if he's going to bounce back. Is he going to be the team's wide receiver one or is he just going to kind of be a veteran in the locker room that helps some of these younger guys out? Uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine, you know, at the end of the season, he showed up with some really big games. But how's he going to operate as the team's wide receiver one? It's so tough for me to try to project out what I think this Titans offense is going to look like. Um, we know what we're getting with Cincinnati, a team that's probably going to throw for 40 or 45 touchdowns this year. Um, they're going to be putting up a ton of points. So because of that, I'd probably lean towards Hayden Hurst just because I, I expect him to have some boom games like we saw from Uzama last season. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree with Dave. I think Hayden Hurst is the guy that I'd probably prefer to have. He's all the boom games with Uzama. But you also see a better fit, I think, especially in the red zone. Um, Cincinnati is going to be a team that is going to have to kind of use tight end to help protect. Um, their offensive line has improved a little bit, but it's still going to have some issues. I think Hayden Hurst is going to see the field quite often. They're going to be out there for a lot of different red zones, situations, different personnel packages. And I think he's going to have a little decent floor as a result of that. On the flip side, I have no idea what that offense is going to do. And I wouldn't have the running back situation either. I mean, Henry we didn't play Henry last year either. So we put all those things in the both biggest part. For me, is Arthur Smith no longer in Tennessee? Todd Downing is also coordinator there. I'm not a Todd Downing fan. I don't trust him to get anybody the ball. He could get Holy the ball, he could get AJ Brown the whole ball. So I don't get handball Derrick Henry. That's all I know he can do. So until I see otherwise, I'm not touching a tight end or any other receiver on the um, Tennessee Titans. <clears throat> Interesting. I think I do lean um, towards Hurst. But I, I think it's pretty close. I mean, I, I do think that kind of what you guys are saying, the situation in Tennessee is so, so volatile right now that it, it doesn't feel like it's that crazy that someone like Cooper could find his way into into relevancy. I do think there's some upside there, um, at least someone to keep an eye on. But overall, I think, like you said, uh, Uzma had some really good games last year, obviously, uh, you know, over the season as a whole, he wasn't someone that you wanted to play, uh, but he had some some best ball value. He had some some value in certain situations, uh, especially if someone was out or you knew um, the matchup was was favorable or or wasn't favorable for someone else on the team. Um, like some of those games where you knew you could pick a T Higgins, uh, for example, you could also probably pick an Uzma. Um, at the end of the day, I think I'm going to have to go with Hurst. And there's one. Final, final situation as a whole um, that I want to talk about. And it's the New York Jets really as a whole. Because I think this entire thing could go a bunch of different ways. So I'm just going to ask between who who do you think leads in targets um, of these receivers? 
because between Moore, Davis, Wilson, and even some of the guys behind them, they gave Barrios a sizable enough contract that he will probably see the field um, a decent little bit. And then realistically, uh, it, there's not it wouldn't be that outside of the realms of possibilities that one of these running backs gets a ton of targets either. Um, what do you guys think here about the Jets just as a whole? I mean, it, it's wild to me that Elijah Moore is getting drafted so far ahead of Garrett Wilson. I'm taking a look right now. Elijah Moore is getting drafted wide receiver 34, Garrett Wilson wide receiver 52. And, I mean, what Elijah Moore did last year was was great. And you got to move him up the rankings a little bit because of that production. But, um, you know, Garrett Wilson is just, in every single facet, a better prospect. You know, he, he's bigger, taller, faster. He's got, you know, he, he's got better draft capital. He just does everything better than Elijah Moore does. So I'm I'm kind of... Um, confused by that ranking with him going, you know, almost five, six rounds ahead. I've got uh, Garrett Wilson as the primary guy here. Uh, but really, I mean, the, this entire offense is contingent on Zach Wilson taking a step forward. And I do have some faith, or some lack of faith that he can take that step. Um, you know, this team is obviously trying to do uh, what, what Salah saw in San Francisco and really build around an offensive line and a run game. And that's why they went out. And uh, even though they already had Michael Carter, they went out and got Brees Hall. But at the end of the day, they've got a lot of talented pass catchers as well, and Zach Wilson needs to be able to facilitate them. So I'm a little bit cooler on the Jets' offense as a whole, but I prefer Garrett Wilson straight up to Elijah Moore. Chris, what's your thought? Ooh, Adam, Adam, your boy. Yeah, um, he does. Adam loves Elijah Moore. Um, I do too. I just Garrett Wilson is. No, I, I don't hate awesome. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, here's what I will I will hate on it a little bit because I do think Elijah Moore is not quite as good as Wilson, but I think he's more polished. And I think he and I think he understands the playbooks a little better. I think Wilson's a little more of a freestyle guy. I think that's going to get him in trouble a little bit, how much he sees the field as a result of that. Well, I think Elijah Moore's going to do what he's told to do. And I think that you saw that last year. He's definitely effective when he played. Definitely one of the more productive guys out there. Should play the slot receiver. And my big problem is Barrios. Barrios screws it up for everybody because Barrios, if he's playing the slot, that just moves everybody out of position. And I don't know how everything gets unthrown. But I think it should be Elijah Moore this year. Now, going forward, I think it's. I think Wilson definitely will take the mantle moving forward. It's going to be one hell of a receiver tandem. But this year, I don't trust the coaching staff. Except with the 49ers kind of copying the 49ers offense. You know, we saw that with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Only one guy can be productive at a time. Rarely is both of them productive. I don't see anything different in San Francisco. You also need to be able to block. So that's also where I have a little bit of problem with either Moore or Wilson, where they can see Davis out there a lot too, because neither one of those guys really block. Um, so I think this offense is an offense I don't want to touch when it comes to the playmakers. I might take a flyer if somebody's like a great value, but yeah, I, I really this offense has got so many tantalizing pieces, just not quite yet to know who to grab onto. Yeah, I, I really agree with that assessment that um, it's hard to pick someone just because. Zach Wilson to me is like the antithesis of what this offense like schematically like they're trying to do. It's like you have this guy who's this trying to go down the field and uh, run around and make some plays, and then you have this offense that's containing him into these scripted plays. And I don't know. It's like the offense to me seems built to where it would feed the ball to an Elijah Moore type, but then Zach Wilson and Gar- Garrett Wilson feel like they should be a really good mesh. Garrett Wilson can be an outstanding deep threat because of all those things that you said, Dave. He is faster. He is bigger. I mean, Elijah Moore is a small guy. Uh, he also, like, he, I don't know. As a fit, 
to the players on this team, I would think it would be Wilson. But with what the coaches want to do, I, I feel like I'm being pushed into Elijah. Um, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to go. I do love Elijah. I love them both. Uh, Garrett Wilson was up there highly for me this year. Um, an interesting, interesting situation um, over in New York that they have going for him. Free Denzel um, Mims. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Denzel Mims. Um, all right. All right. Dave, what are you up to? Um, what's next uh, in your your coming days, weeks, etc.? cetera? Are you going to the, the expo here in a couple weeks? Uh, I am not. No, I was, I was there last year, and I've just got a ton going on with uh, other commitments and traveling, so I won't be able to make it this year. But I also said I wouldn't make it last year and then book the trip like five days before. <laughs> so, so who knows? You know, I'm uh, pretty spontaneous, so so we'll see. Um, that being said, I, I'd highly recommend anybody that's looking to make some connections, do a little bit of networking, should go. Um, it was a ton of fun last year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, right now I'm just – this is a busy season. You know, for everybody else, everyone starts tuning in, you know, the, the casual consumers a few weeks from now, but they don't realize that now we're the ones grinding putting content out. So when they plug in a couple weeks from now, they can have it already. So – I uh, just finished up a Jamar Chase article earlier today. That should be published in a few days now. Uh, I'll have a coinciding video with that as well. Um, you know, just constantly working on my rankings. Right now what I'm doing are some deep player dives. You know, you, you already called out the one that I did on Aaron Rodgers. I've done quite a few of those, and uh, those are always fun. You know, when I have a player that I struggle to get a solid take on, I'll just spend three, five days just diving really deep into their outlook and write an article on it and help me kind of formulate a take, and that's what I did on Jamar Chase. I don't really know where I landed on Jamar Chase, if he was overvalued or undervalued. And this is one of those weird articles where I didn't really formulate much of an opinion. You know, by the time I finished writing it, I just said, well, he's exactly where he should be. He should be getting drafted inside the top five. <laughs> and that's basically what I can come down to with, with Jamar Chase. But they're fun articles. So uh, you can find all those at uh, footballguys.com, as well as the uh, three shows I host a week. Those are all at youtube.com slash footballguys. Yeah, awesome. Some quality, quality content coming out of the Football Guys camp. So definitely go check that out. Chris, what's the the word on the Belly Up MDFF show? Um, well, talk, about the, talk about the Fantasy Football Expo that's coming up. We actually have this uh, sponsor, that, or the host, I should say, Bob Long, joining our show this week. And he's going to kind of go on talk a little about the expo itself, but also help us cover the NFC West. So we'll take a look at the Arizona, the, the 49ers you guys are talking about, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Rams. So that's going to be this week's show on Thursday night. Be sure to talk cool. to him about his consistency rankings. Yes, yeah. we went, yes. Those. very good stuff. Yes, Bob yeah. has all sorts of consistency rankings. There. Absolutely, got a chance to kind of do a show with him recently. So yeah, we got to hear a little bit more about those. Exciting. Awesome. Yes, yeah, so they are. Uh, that's a fantastic piece of uh, content within the community as well. Um, and finally, before we wrap up, I just got to talk about the Belly Up Bowl. It's our third annual. Um, we're hosting it on Sleeper. It's best ball. So that's right up your alley, Dave. Um, we're doing it with Alex's Lemonade Stand. It's our second year with them. Uh, we did it with the St. Jude's the, uh, year one. Um, we've donated around $2,400 so far, um, hoping to continue to make that number grow. Uh, you know, do the things that we love doing, which is, you know, helping out great causes and playing fantasy football. So definitely recommend uh joining the belly up bowl if you go up to bellyupfantasysports.com slash belly up bowl or uh it's up in the menu if you go to the belly up fantasy website so definitely check it out super uh super fun time last year so uh yeah check that out again thank you all so so much uh 
Dave, where can they they find you on um, on Twitter? Just <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's K L U G E. And uh, yeah, I just tell everyone to follow me there. That, that makes it easy. You can see the shows that I'm guesting on. You can see the shows yeah. that I'm hosting. You can see my articles. And then I try to tweet out as much uh, content as I can. If I'm ever tweeting consistently about a player, like if I'm tweeting about Jamar Chase for three or four days, know that a Jamar Chase's <laughs> article is probably coming. <laughs> yes, definitely one of the the bigger must follows on the fantasy football Twitter. So go check them out. Um, I am at Larue Adam on Twitter as well. Chris, we need to get you on there at some point. Someday. Um, it's yep, a hellscape. Yep. Don't do it, Chris. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in again, and we will see you uh, in two weeks. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the U.K. for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21+. plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the U.K. for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21+. plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.